0: It is great to be together. I don't know if you can reflect back to one year ago, but for me, at this time, last Christmas Day, I was sitting in my pyjamas, I was alone in my room, I was watching MBM uh, Christmas Sermon online, I was one of the many among our leadership here who were exposed to COVID, and we ended up having to can our Christmas services. What a dud Christmas. What a contrast, though, To today, and it's so good to be here together. So, for all the exhaustion and madness of this season, all the noise around us, well done on being here and prioritizing the birth of Jesus and each other on a day like this. Well done. Well, now that we're here, can I try you out on a couple of trivia questions first? All right, now you vote by putting your hand up a simple yes. Or you can vote for no, or you can vote for maybe. Okay? So, question number one Jesus and Mary arrived in Bethlehem on a donkey? Yes. Many hands. No. Maybe. Oh, quite a few votes there for maybe. That's what I'd run with. The Bible doesn't actually say if there was a donkey. It just says that they made their way to Bethlehem and it doesn't say anything about their mode of transport. Let me try on another one. Three wise men came to worship Jesus. Yes. Lots of hands. No. Maybe. Oh, quite a few hundred on the maybe there. I'm running with the maybe on this one. Again, the Bible doesn't say. We do know that there were three gifts gold, myrrh, and frankincense. We don't know how many givers of those gifts there were. There could have been two, there could have been ten. All right. Jesus was born on December 25. Yes. No. Yeah. Maybe. The maybes definitely have it. The date for Christmas again is not mentioned in the Bible. It's probably too cold in December for the shepherds to be out in the field. They may not have been pasture at that time of year, and censuses were usually heard, held September. October before the winter would set in all right one more baby Jesus didn't cry (laughs) as in a way in a manger the cattle are lowing the baby awakes the little Lord Jesus no crying he makes yes no maybe (laughs) I'm running with no on this one now, sure, this is the son of God become man, but 100% human. In other words, like any other baby, he got hungry, he cried. As he developed, he would have got those lungs working. And, uh, and crying is not a sin. You don't need a Christmas carol to knock out the crying. It's okay. Now, all that stuff, it's no biggie if we kind of get it wrong, is it? It's no biggie if we get a Christmas card showing three wise men or Mary on a donkey. They're kind of trivial things, aren't they? But what if we had more serious facts wrong? What if our errors leave us worshipping the wrong Jesus a tame Jesus, a lame Jesus who fails to save, who fails to impact our lives, who fails to give us eternal hope and purpose, the very things that we so need this Christmas and cannot get elsewhere. We need the real Christmas because we need the real Christ So I want to bust four proper myths about Christmas. I want us to look harder at the perhaps familiar story of Jesus' birth and make sure that we have it right. So here we go. Christmas myth number one, there was no room in the inn. Hang on, Mark. What are you talking about? Didn't we just read about that? Verse 6 says, "While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them." Mark, you're wrong. They must have ridden into town on said donkey that may or may not have existed. Knocked on the inn door, grumpy innkeeper turns them away and says, Sorry, no room at the inn. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Firstly, it says that they were already there. While they were there, the verse says, the time came for the baby. So they already had accommodation. Secondly, the inn is never mentioned. It's never mentioned. It just says the guest room was full. And you know where guest rooms were found in ancient Israel? In people's homes. They were found in people's houses. Now, the Bible was written originally in the language Greek, and a guest room, the word is kataluma, that word is used twice in Luke's gospel, the account about Jesus, here, and also, secondly, the night before Jesus dies when they go to a house in Jerusalem and they prepare the guest room the large guest room for the Passover for the last supper that's the kind of room we're talking about there is one in mentioned in Luke's gospel and that's in the the story of the Good Samaritan but a completely different word is used there the problem is that some nice, polite British translators 400 years ago, when they were translating the uh, King James Bible, they, instead of writing guest room, they wrote inn. I guess they were thinking that if you're walking through the streets of Britain and you get to a little village and you want to stay, what do you do? You go to the inn. But it doesn't quite work that way in the Middle East back then. So... What's your point, Mark, in all this? A simple one. We have to question traditions sometimes. Pictures on cards, stuff we see on TV, kids' books, that kind of thing. We have to have our eyes open and question those things. And you know how we do that? We need to have our Bibles open, as already came out in the interview earlier, I want to challenge you, encourage you to have an adult read of one of the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus, for yourself. Don't just rely on what you've maybe picked up in TV or as a kid or whatever, but have a read through the Gospels for yourselves. We've actually got some in various languages, uh, just these simple accounts of Jesus, excerpts from the Bible, They're out there in the foyer at the New Year flag or on the table at the side. Can I encourage you to grab one of these this Christmas and to read it over the coming holiday break that you have? How good would that be? We need that to make sure we've got the story right. Well, Christmas myth number two. Number two, Jesus was born in a stable. Oh, come on, Mark. You're You're not serious, are you? Doesn't the Bible talk about a stable? There's no mention of a stable. It does say, and we read it earlier, that Mary wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. And a manger is an animal food trough. And so Jesus was definitely a born among the animals. But our city minds, our Western minds, we think animals outside... They must have been in a barn or in a stable of some kind. There was no room and so they were you know, forced outside. But if you're of a Middle Eastern background, and many of you are, you might have always had a niggling feeling that there was something wrong with that retelling of the story. Because it's unthinkable in an honour-shame culture like ancient Israel to leave a woman on the verge of childbirth outside in the cold. Unthinkable. And besides, Joseph was in his own town. He's in the town of David. And he most likely had relatives who would have taken him in. It's very, very likely they were staying with family in their house. So what's with the manger? Well, mangers were found in people's houses because animals were found in people's houses back then. Um, The guest room, the kataluma up the top there, was likely full because of the census and all the people that had gone back to the city of David, the town of David. But... It's likely that Joseph and Mary were invited still to come in and live in that family area that's shown there as downstairs. That's where the family would have slept and ate and cooked and so forth. And that's where the animals would have ate and slept at night and where there would have been a manger. No stable, no cave, no nice little lean-to shelter that we get on our Christmas cards, just some beautiful... Middle Eastern hospitality, doing the best they could under crowded circumstances. Now, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? All those Christmas messages about about Jesus being so humble and therefore maybe we should go out and serve the poor ourselves or something like that. I mean, you can find serving the poor in the Bible in many other places, but not here. What you get here, the point here, is that Jesus' birth was ordinary. Ordinary. It was just normal. It was normal, bog standard, with family all around like any other Israelite baby. He is normal, like us. And you know what? There's our point of contact with Jesus. He is the son of God himself, and yet he's become human, ordinary, with an ordinary birth to represent ordinary people to save ordinary people like you and like me. God loves and cares for us. And this is very good news for us this Christmas. Well, let's bust myth number three. Now, this is an easy one after two challenging ones. Jesus was a fair-skinned, blue-eyed boy, a wee, bonnie lad. Look at this picture. Fair dinkum. Do you think he looks Middle Eastern? <laughs> he looks more Scandinavian to me. <laughs> Religious art drives me nuts sometimes. It's not just infant baby Jesus, but it's, it's the adult growing up version as well, where somehow or other they make him look like he's a contestant on Eurovision instead of what a humble Middle Eastern man would have looked like. We can't go adapting to different skin colours, adapting what, who the Lord Jesus was like. He was born into a real flesh and blood Middle Eastern family at a particular time under Caesar Augustus with a particular skin colour and nationality and gender. But he represents us all. He represents us all. The angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Even you and me in multicultural Western Sydney today. He represents us all. He died in our place. He died in our place taking the sins of Thais and Turks, of Somalis and Scandinavians, uh, of Nigerians and Norwegians of Plumptonites and Penrithites and add your suburb. He rose from the dead as Lord of all, as the hope of the nations, as our Lord, as our Saviour, as our King. Blue-eyed boy, myth busted. Last one. Jesus is still a baby. Now, this is not a myth that gets kind of said out loud, but it's something we can just unconsciously do in our hearts, in our imaginations. We can leave him in the manger, safe out of harm's way. You know, we perhaps don't think as much about Jesus, the adult Jesus, the one who has power over the whole universe. A baby Jesus, well, that's tame. He's tame. He's manageable. We can cuddle him. We can perhaps rock him, but he can't rock us. Likewise, I think our world sometimes loves Christmas more than Easter. Mother Mary with babe in arms more than adult Jesus, Lord of all. A conveniently silent baby more than the Jesus who can call on us to Obey him. But listen to what the angels said to the shepherds. They said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom His favor rests. This baby grew up to be the Messiah, the Lord, God's King for our planet. And here's the power to bring peace on whom he chooses to favour. Peace on earth, but more than that, peace between you and God. And here's the power to save us from the consequences of our failure to love God and honour God as we should, as we know we should. The last book of the Bible actually pictures Jesus so differently. Not with a dummy in his mouth, but with a sharp, double-edged sword coming out of it. What a contrast. That sword symbolising the power of his words to cut to our very hearts. Let me read a little bit of Revelation 1 that we might understand who Jesus is. Like a son of man... Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And with a golden sash around his chest, the hair on his head was white, like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in its brilliance. And When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead and then he placed his right hand on me and said do not be afraid I am the first and the last I am the living one I was dead and now look I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and Hades friends that is Jesus now That is Jesus now. Nativities look nice, but they can kind of stunt Jesus' growth, don't you think? Jesus is not to be tamed. He is awesome. In the truest sense of the word, awesome. That's him. He is God with us and holds the keys to death and the judgment beyond beyond it in his hands. His yes or no determines where you stand for eternity. Friends, you must have his favour and peace. It's so important. You must bow to this growing up Jesus and follow him. We know in our hearts we are way too sinful to try and face God at our own merits. We're way more naughty than nice. We need his favour. We need his forgiveness. And the Lord Jesus, let me be clear, the Lord Jesus is all too delighted to give that to you. Delighted to. That's why he came. God reaching out to you and to me. God born in a normal Middle Eastern home to represent and rescue normal people like us. Don't settle for the tired and tame myths. Don't settle for a domesticated Hallmark card-style Jesus. The real Jesus of the real Christmas invites you to enjoy free forgiveness and to enjoy life with him. Friends, would you pray with me? Please pray. And perhaps as I pray, you might reflect if these are words that you want to make your own before God. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the first Christmas, real in a particular historical setting and culture, but for us all. A baby become man, become Lord of all through his death and resurrection. Oh, Father God, we need this real Jesus we need his favour. We need his forgiveness and his rule. Father, teach us what it means to accept and follow Jesus, to thrive in the peace and the joy that he brings. Father, many of us are ready to bow to Jesus in our hearts now. And we Vow to worship him, today and always. And we pray this in His name. Amen.